Good morning. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. And I really think you're going to see what happens when you are going through life, thinking you know exactly what you want to do. And then you sort of like wake up one day and your whole life changes. Uh, my guest today is Adelaide Campbell. And Adelaide worked in IT for a long time. Is that correct? Yes, IT. It's and then before that, um, health insurance as an actuary. So, you know, many years basically in corporate America, um, working long hours, being very devoted to, you know, her knowledge. And then along comes the pandemic. And probably like many of us, you know, we said, now what? Uh, if we were already working from home, it probably didn't affect us in the same way. But for those of you who were going to an office every day or to a certain location, I'm sure you wondered, like, am I going to have a job when this is all over? But Adelaide, you just like made this jump um, and you went into spirits and i'm not talking about ghosts and things like that um <laughs> but what made you decide to develop something that was that appears to be totally the opposite of where you were coming from yes i i think like you said the pandemic gave everybody an opportunity simultaneously to take a pause and i think a lot of people in the last two years have had the opportunity to reevaluate and really take a critical look at what they want out of life. And before the pandemic, I was very much on the straight and narrow career path. I came out of school, got into the actuarial profession, which is for anybody who doesn't know, it's heavy on math and finance. They work in insurance companies and uh, they tend to be very, very left to right people who have a set career path. And when I started working from home, I was working still as an actuary, but I was working for a, a startup in, uh, in Boston. And, um, and once I was removed from that energy and that collaboration of being able to be in the office, Zoom fatigue certainly set in. You can only spend so many hours sitting on a computer screen trying to connect with somebody. And I, found myself unable to accomplish the goals that I really wanted and the, the, the passion for what I had been doing before the pandemic hit kind of had fallen away and I knew I needed to take an reevaluation of my career. So, and I totally get that because I think as terrible as the pandemic has been, it's given so many of us an opportunity to say, wait a second, do I want to stay on this road? Do I want to make a change? And if I want to make a change, can I do it? Um, and I've been hearing that a lot in our podcast, but typically most people are finding a way to say, you know what? I've been on the straight and narrow for so long. I don't want that anymore. Or if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for me, not for the corporate you know, upper level. So we've been, we went into this pandemic about two years ago. 
So how long did it, did it take you to decide that, hey, I'm going to walk away from what I'm doing and st do a startup now? Well, it really started with, and I think everybody experienced this, where it was the physical change of moving from the routine of commuting and going into the office, and then now we're stuck at home. And I kind of took it a step further, and um, my husband and I decided to make a physical change and physically relocate ourselves from Boston to Miami, which is where we're based now. And um, a huge part of what made me finally jump in and decide to make that change was that physical relocation into a, an environment that was colorful and vibrant and lively and energetic. And I hadn't been getting that a lot in my life in Boston. And it took about nine months of living in Miami to finally make the decision that um, it was time to move on and it was time to do something else. So you, you had a significant other, you, you're married. So you, it sounds like you probably had his support in doing this. Not everybody either has that or doesn't have the full support of their spouse when they say, hey, I wanna make a change. Um, when I went through a change 10 years ago, I too was very lucky that my husband said, okay, we'll just figure it out. Um, as I walked out of my office the last time, I thought, uh, I've been the breadwinner and I'm walking out of here because I need a change. And it's been the best decision I ever made. But it's not for everybody to do it that way, and especially if they don't have support. So when you moved to Florida, was the idea initially that you're going to keep doing the actuarial job and things like that from your new location? Absolutely. And in fact, we had been contemplating a move to Miami for a very long time at that point. It was just that his, so he is also an entrepreneur, which kind of gives you a little bit of insight to why he's, he's been able to be so supportive of, of my transition to, to entrepreneurship. Um, but, but really we, um, we were able to, take advantage of the flexibility that the pandemic offered us, make that move. And it was really the, the spark that, that, that was able to help us move, move on and, and move beyond Boston. Before then, his company was based in Boston. It had been for 20 years. And being able to uproot that was going to be a challenge. The pandemic gave us the opportunity to all have everybody work from home. And then when we moved, we opened up another office or he opened up another office down here. And so um, we were then able to offer it to the employees that were still up in Boston to say, come down and uh, and and work in the office in Miami if you so choose. Um, at the time, it was 100% still my intention to continue in the actuarial world. It was it's a very lucrative career. It's a, a very, a very kind of um, established career where the the climbing of the ladder is pretty well laid out. And where I had come from before then, that was very that very much spoke to to the kind of life that I wanted. And then once we moved down here, it was really, it really became an eye-opening experience of well, there's more, there's more than just climbing the corporate ladder and wanting to get to the top. I, like you, was not the primary breadwinner, but very used to earning my own money, 
paying for all of my things myself. And, um, and it's certainly been um, at times an uncomfortable personally transition for me. But um, luckily, my husband has been very supportive throughout the entire, entire process. Well, and, you know, I know a lot of us, um, we get into a career because that's what we studied or that's what we thought we wanted to do long term. Um, and we start to get dissatisfied, but we sometimes can't see beyond that path, you know, what we can do. Um, and maybe that would have continued for you if you would have stayed in Boston. And I understand just a little bit of relocation can sort of open up your eyes and say, hey, um, if I could move, I could then move things around in my head as well. And now now's a good time. But for many people, um, it's like, I have to wait. I have to put X amount away. I have to make sure that there's you know, always a reason not to. Yep, exactly. Um, so what I find interesting though, um, and I have two friends who are actuaries and they're very straight and narrow. You know, they're thinking and everything that they do. Um, yes. And yet you launched, is it a wine? Is it wine that it did you developed? It's actually, um, and this is really probably going to be be a new um, uh, new information for for you and your listeners. So it's actually um, a, a craft spirit. So it's called cachaça. And what uh, most Americans don't know is it's the third most popular spirit in the world, and it is manufactured and in, in, um, distilled in Brazil. So it's the third most popular spirit in the world. Almost a billion liters every year are produced, and yet it remains widely unknown to the U.S. market. And I saw this as an opportunity to introduce a, a new thing to myself and as well as the, the average American consumer who might not be familiar with it. So it is cachaça. It is a spirit. Um, it's an alcoholic spirit distilled from fresh sugarcane juice in Brazil. And then what we do is we import it in bulk into the U.S. We bottle it here locally in South Florida. And um, and then the classic drink that it goes in, kind of the, the margarita to tequila, is the caprina, which is a very classic cocktail. It's simply lime wedges muddled together with some sugar, ice, and cachaça. And it is a beautiful, perfect, refreshing summer drink. Wow. So now we have a new one on the menu. I love it. Absolutely. Um, so how did you learn about it? Uh, when we moved down here, we were spending a lot of time at home still. And uh, a friend of mine had brought over a bottle of cachaça because it's, it was very popular with his family. And I guess I should start all of this by saying um, I'm not Brazilian, which is kind of the first question everybody asks because it is the national spirit of Brazil and 99% of it stays within Brazil. I, I almost felt like it was it was underrepresented and underloved in the U.S. because the cachaças that have made it to the U.S. have usually been marketed towards the Brazilians that are here and not really made to be approachable to, to the average U.S. consumer. And so when my friend brought over a bottle and I tried it for the first time, it was an experience because cachaças like, um, like grappa can, can range from what is essentially gasoline 
um, all the way into really intense and flavorful expressions of the spirit. So I wanted to create a, a, an expression of cachaça that would be approachable to the US consumer and allow this amazing spirit and its history to be introduced to the US. So again, you're doing this in the middle of the pandemic where so many places are closed down. Um, and I don't know about in Florida, but I know here in Ohio, uh, a lot of restaurants were able to sell um, alcohol beverages as a takeout. Um, but even that, you know, you tend to go with something that you already know um, rather than experiment with something new. So what was it like introducing this during basically a total country shut, you know, shutdown? It's, it's been, um, it's been a roller coaster. Fortunately, being in South Florida, there's a heavy Latin American and South American influence here. So the average person here in Miami tends to be more familiar with it than perhaps in Ohio. Right. Um, but that is one of the things I'm really excited about as I grow this company, the educational aspect of it, because there's, there's so much to learn. There's, it's, it's this widely unknown thing. And I think also people who are interested in craft cocktails or mezcal or sparkling wine and, and interested in new and exciting things wouldn't have known about this and wouldn't have known that cachaça existed. So being able to walk into a bar and say, I know you're selling a lot of skinny, spicy margaritas. Let me introduce you to the Caprina, which is this new, exciting version of the of the margarita. So when your when your client comes in, you know that they're a sophisticated and well-informed drinker, um, and 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 craft spirits a, a enjoyer. Try and give them this and see what they say, because I will guarantee you that they've probably never heard of it. And nine times out of 10, they're going to love it. And you'll create a whole new category for yourself on the bar. So you went into this because a friend brought it over, you tasted it, you liked it, you saw an opportunity. And that's what is important for our listeners. There are so many opportunities out there. Um, we just have to be able to open up those blinders that are on our sides of our head. Um, and see what the rest of the world is like. So now we're sort of coming out of the pandemic. Um, people are socializing and going to restaurants. Um, are you seeing, or are you at least hearing on the streets of Miami that people like this? Yes. In fact, I when I first started in investigating this as a business concept, I bought every single cachaça I could find on my local market and uh, in, in my local total wine because I needed to know what was out there and how I could position myself to, to maximize our, our, um, our presence. And what I realized is a lot of it sucks. <laughs> and so um, I, I went out and I, I, was able to get a lot of samples from different distilleries in Brazil, test them out, compare them to what was out there already on the market and find a really great niche for, for our product. I find that um, cachaças, like I said, can be a little bit on the um, abrasive side and they can also be very complex. So if you think about maybe scotch, 
or whiskey and you want to introduce somebody to to scotch, you wouldn't want to give them a Laphroaig or something that's really peaty and complex. You want to give them something that's a little bit more approachable and um, and easier for them to understand and maybe a little bit more mixable. So I found that as an opportunity. So when you when you went to college um, and got your degree, I'm sure this was nowhere on your horizon. Um, <laughs> um, what happened if there was something that actually happened, but can you pinpoint a time in your other career where you realized, yes, I'm good at this, but you know what? I just don't want to do this for the rest of my life. That's tough because I think a lot of people have that slow burning level of dissatisfaction and they can never put their finger on it's the reason we stay in bad relationships too we pick a career we invest time money and and our lives and our identity also into into that that career path and it becomes really hard to separate yourself from the career and without a big trigger kind of like the pandemic which i think is why we're seeing so much transition in the job world um you're you're going to slowly become dissatisfied and either cope with it and kind of live in misery or have a breaking point and for me i i was working on this really big project at my my former job and i loved my boss I love the people I work with. I was passionate about the project we were working on and we would have one-on-one meetings every week to talk about everything going on. And I just broke in that meeting, that one-on-one meeting with my boss. One random week, I started crying and I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. And it was, it was, I didn't even, I certainly, he wasn't expecting me to quit and I wasn't expecting to quit. And it was just that I couldn't point to one thing other than I had reached my breaking point. And I'm glad from that point on that we, that we had moved on. But I, I knew that I was so profoundly dissatisfied with where I was in my life. And I was putting a lot of energy into this pro- project. Um, if I took the energy that I was devoting to my job at that time, and I took a third of it into finding another job or another career where things were opening up down here in Miami. Maybe I could find another company where I could go to the office and find that connection. A third of it into a passion project, finding something else that I was interested in. And a third of it supporting my husband in his job because there's always stuff that needs to be done. Um, I would in six months have have come to another, a a better place than, than continuing to slog along with this. So that is a long winded way of saying that um, that I just found a breaking point and and realized that I I needed to make a change. And, you know, that's not uncommon. Most of us wait until we we hit the wall. Um, As I'm listening to your story, um, I loved my job in corporate America. But I didn't like the culture I was working in. And I went every single day convincing myself you love what you do you know block everything else out and I couldn't it was that's that's what got to me 
And in the last couple of years, talking to coaches, talking to individuals like yourself who have made changes, I really feel that it's pivotal for all of us to take stock in who we are. As far as we know, we only have this one life. And if this is the only life we have, going to work every day and either being on the verge of chairs or crying because something is missing, um, that's not good for us and it's not good for the work environment either. And so sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to take some time to find out what it is I want to do next. Um, you know, it was difficult for me to walk away, for me to look at my husband and say, you're not going to have my paycheck anymore. And he looked at me and he goes, knowing you, you'll find another way to make a paycheck. And, That's exactly what my husband said too. Uh, um, and it's wonderful when you have that relationship. I know people who aren't in that relationship and right now are working miserable jobs. Okay. Um, and it's affecting every, every aspect of their life. Again, I'm sure this wasn't real easy for you. You picked up, you've moved or in a new city. It's a pandemic, you know, you're, you're juggling, um, but if you really have a passion for it, and you brought up that word, passion, passion is what can drive us forward. Absolutely. And I think also you've really hit on, it's the support system as well. And as you were talking, I kind of remembered another moment in my, in my previous career. So I've made a couple of tiny transitions that led to me making this one massive transition a year ago. When I was working as my first job as an actuary, I was, you would rotate through these different roles and I was on one particular team where I would be checking somebody else's work and then we would be swapping tasks back and forth. And I remember complaining to my husband at the time, you know, I, I, I just sit there and I wait for my, my counterpart to get this done. And I'm so, you know, I, I personally was slowing myself down to accommodate my, my teammates slow way of doing work. And he kind of looked at me one day and said, why are you slowing yourself down for somebody else? You should be pushing as hard as you can, as fast as you can. And don't, don't, don't dumb yourself down for the people around you. And so it was that moment in that, that instant, I made the switch. And I kind of said, you know what, absolutely, I'm just going to be a rock star at this. And I started pushing and, and it was that was the, the first snowflake that led to the avalanche of me transitioning from that big time corporate role into a startup. And then from that startup into starting my own company. But it's really the support system and the people around you that that help you make that that transition feel safer. And I know that Growing up, my my mom in particular always put, pushed me towards the safe option, which is kind of how I ended up being an actuary. <laughs> right. um, but it's been my husband and my partner who has really allowed me to to feel comfortable pushing myself into that entrepreneurial world, and I couldn't couldn't be more grateful. Well, I have to say, as a parent of two adult sons. Um, I learned early on, I was pushed by my parents to do certain things, which I knew were not right for me. And I sort of broke the mold and said, 
sorry, I'm going to go this path and hopefully you'll still accept me as your daughter. Um, But as my sons were growing up, um, I never told them they couldn't do anything. It was like, if that's what you want to do, we'll be here to support you. Um, You know, I don't have a lot of money that I can support every lifestyle that you want, but I want you to go for what is important to you. And my youngest, um, sports is his, is his life. Um, and so it's been difficult, but you know what? He's learned. And I've learned as a parent as well and as an individual, if it's something you really want to do, you'll find a way. And uh, I see great growth in him. And besides growth in him, I am more understanding of people around me. And I think that's a key in finding our happiness because it's not necessarily about climbing that ladder and becoming the CEO if that's what is up there. Um, Because I don't think everybody at the top is the happiest either. And you seem to be like, I'm getting out. I'm, I'm, I'm introducing people to something. Um, I'm providing a service and a service that feels good to me. Absolutely. I get to do one thing, which is teach people something new every day. Um, and I realized looking back on my, my career as an actuary, one thing I really enjoyed was training new people. I, I have a strong technical background in data analysis, one of the languages that we use with SQL. And every new person that would come on the team, I would, I would really enjoy sitting with them and coaching them and teaching them. And even now, as I, I have a team and I, I work on growing them and, and, um, and watching them flourish and, and grow, it's really nice and, and exciting to, to watch people take on a challenge and, and make it their own and, and be successful at it. Actually, as, I, uh, as I've moved through my career, I have very purposefully I wait until I'm settled in the next step before I tell my mom. So (laughs) what idea. (laughs) Yeah. What I, because uh, also because I don't want, I know that I don't want to put that self doubt in my mind as I'm making the transition. So when I started, when I quit last year and I found created the LLC and got everything going, I waited probably four months before I I told her. Um, And and then by then I, I said, here's a website, here's a product, here's what we're working on. This is what we're working towards. And, it made her so excited and happy. She's she's the the biggest evangelist for for Kashasa in in Boston. <laughs> well, and you know, sometimes we feel like we have to shout it from the rooftops in the beginning. And if that's your personality, hey, that's fine. Um, I know when I was going through my transition, um, my mother just didn't understand at all. Now, I was approaching the age of 60. My mother was approaching the age of 90. So you can understand, you know, it was like, why are you making changes, Karen? You know, you've got a husband, you've got, you've got a family, you know, go to work and come home. And it's like, mom, it's not the same as when you went to work and you actually worked from nine to five, you were five minutes from the house and Mm -hmm. you came home. And she said, well, then explain it to me. And when I did, this light bulb finally went off in her head. And she said, you're smiling as you're telling me this. 
I guess this is what you want to do. And she said, I don't have any extra money to help you. But, you know, if you need a meal here and there, you know, come see me. Yeah. And yeah. That, that to me meant more than an investment in me or anything else. It was like, that was her investment. And you have to believe in yourself. And obviously you do. And your husband believes in you. Um, so for our listeners out there, and you're saying, I don't have a support system. One of the ways that I would suggest that you get a support system is number one, there are so many podcasts out there dealing with Absolutely. making changes. Listen to the podcast, reach out to the podcast host, the guest, um, and you know, pick each other's brains. Cause I will tell you, I've always wanted to be in a position where I could help people. I I would make a terrible nurse. Okay. <laughs> my husband or my sons get ill and it's like, what can I do for you? But I run the other way. Um, <laughs> but helping people in this manner and letting them just talk about it. You know, sometimes that's all they need is an ear to hear what they're saying. So Absolutely. As you're growing this spirit, um, do you have any other plans to adding more to this? Eventually, we'd like to. Right now, it's just about dominating and saturating the Miami market. And in fact, one particular skill um, and, and quality that I'm taking from my, my previous career is my strength in data analysis. And so... As you can imagine, a lot of people who get into craft wine and spirits production and brands, they're very passionate about what they're selling, but they may not have the depth of business acumen, financial background, or anything like that. And I do. And so part of our brand's ethos is really being a data-driven, intentional, strategic brand. And so I'm a, I was fortunate through networking, actually, and reaching out into into the world as I was starting this for help, I was able to network with a company here in Miami that is doing just that. They are data-driven AI platform for wine and spirits producers. And we're working together um, to develop a, a platform that supports people like me, identifying the bars, restaurants that would be good fits for your brand. Because what what you may not under realize is, or I certainly didn't realize, there are so many different factors that go into whether or not my brand is a good fit for a restaurant or a bar. Do they prioritize local brands? Do they go more craft or more more names? Which is like when you go and order a Tito's and uh, a Tito's and soda. Um, are they? focused on high turnover or do they want to do craft cocktails where there's a lot of involvement in the mixology and being able to identify those accounts get into them and then provide them the support and the deep relationship will hopefully allow me and our brand to grow with more a, a more eye for the deliberate rather than the scatter, we're going to launch six different expressions and we're going to add flavors and, and all of this other stuff. Um, that's all on the roadmap, but I also want to be very careful because coming from 
the breadwinner side of things and right. being financially minded, I want to make sure that that the money I've invested in this doesn't go too much towards t-shirts. It goes towards building deep, strong relationships with the bars and the bar owners that, that I meet. And you brought up something really important that it, it doesn't make any difference what business we're going into. Um, we can't assume that we can go door to door from restaurant to bar and all of them jump on our bandwagon because as you said, you know, they, based on their clientele, based on their staffing, based on where they want their business to go, will determine if this is a good fit. And I know for many who are in sales, you know, they get very uptight. It's like, well, yeah, I went to all the bars down the street and, you know, nobody wanted it, but yet I went to the bars down that street and they're more receptive. It's not about getting a hundred percent. It's getting your foot in the door in the right places and growing it the proper way. And it took me a long time to understand that concept. Uh, I, th I think, yeah, that's where a lot of people get, um, get hung up is in the branding and, and the go-to-market. You have to very, it's, it's just as important to define what you're not targeting as what you are targeting. So we particularly aren't putting a huge priority on Brazilian restaurants and bars because we want to focus on bringing the US consumer in. And if I put too much effort into those Brazilian outlets, I won't achieve my goal of being the US preferred cachaça. I got it. So if our listeners wanted to contact you because now um, you know, they're thinking, boy, I certainly would love to try it. I'd like to know more about it. How can they reach you? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Kashasa Spirits, and that is spelled K-A-C-H-A-C-A -A -A Spirits. You can also find us online at kashasaspirits.com. Well, we will make sure that's all in the show notes. So for those of you who are listening that said, hey, could you repeat it? Don't worry about it. Go read <laughs> the show notes. They will be there indefinitely. You can send all your friends to that as well. Um, and Adelaide, as things grow and, uh, you know, things change, keep in touch with us because I'll tell you, um, it makes my heart feel good when I see that people are following their passion because it makes a difference in how we relate to each other. Uh, we are happier. And I'm, that's not to say that it's not tough work and that we don't hit the wall sometimes um, working on something that we're passionate about. But for the most part, I know at the end of the day, when I put my head down on my pillow, I say, wow, this is what I've accomplished. And I I did that at the beginning in corporate America. Towards the end, it was like, I got to go back and do it all over again. So yeah. there's satisfaction in seeing that, that end result. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us and uh, keep in touch. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank now. you. Bye-bye.